you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the League podcast deserves a long-term contract extension by training camp. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansen, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Kevin Patra, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? So excited to have Kevin Patrick back in the studio with us. It just feels right. Here again. You'll no- save the day. You'll notice that I went around the table, but I skipped over Greg tempor- temporarily, went to Patrick, then back to Greg, because we're back to regular sitcom rules where the guy that gets put in his rider, I need to be the last one said. Mm. Greg, it's in his contract, needs to be said last. Like, and... I'm the John Alan Aldo or whatever. I'm the John Slattery of this show. That like is that. painstakingly yeah, high that. maintenance on the part of the boss. Well, Greg, you got to answer to that. High maintenance? Uh, I'm not high maintenance. I think I'm low maintenance. Well, can a boss even be high maintenance? I don't know. Oh, certainly. Oh. <laughs> not you. I, you're just again. <laughs> I think this can is. We accuse you I think of this is Sessler's. I mean. Mentioned it last show. This is Dan's little mechanism. Wait a minute. Back the truck up. The high maintenance king right here. Greg, you just said that that edict was etched into your contract. Now, (laughs) no one else pushed for that, so it was you. And by the way, I am only high maintenance in the uh, commissary. (laughs) I want to say. By the way, but Greg, you can pat yourself on the back for being great, as can everyone else in this room right now, because we've been together as a group, the Around the League podcast, for one year. Yeah. 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 Ow. Go for it. I can safely say that I've spent more time with uh, the cast of this show than my own children. Yes. And you are a better (laughs) man for it. Well, a better question. Let me me rephrase. You're a better employee for it, a worse man. (laughs) That seems. For it. You are a factory of Yes. You know, that will be fine from you, TD. (laughs) We have a bone to pick with you. Let's be honest. We don't really have our (laughs) stuff together. We would not even have known this was our one-year anniversary if not for a great Twitter follower, Dale. His name is Dale, and he wrote us a very nice note uh, you know, expressing that how much he likes the show, and he's been a listener since it started. And uh, so we want to thank – a hearty thanks to all the listeners who have listened to us and you know, kept in touch with us on Twitter and have liked us on iTunes and helped us win a Stitcher. Uh, what thank is you. a Stitcher? I don't know. Where's, they, where's that award, by the way, TD? We never got it. I need to follow up with Stitcher. Let's just do that. I'll follow up with Stitcher okay. make sure we get the award because it'll be second year. There's, there's a physical award because DDFP won the award the year before. So it's two, year running, two years running now where uh, NFL Podcast wins. Wow, we nice. dominate Stitcher awards. That's something we, we could put on a table or our desk. Yeah, if yeah. we have something physical to yeah. celebrate it. How about Kevin Patro? Nice. What kind of journey has your career taken a, a year ago at this time? You were just coming off an assignment position in L.A., and then you go off to be a writer, join around the league. I mean, talk about a shooting Pinch star. yourself. This is the real. Top of yeah. the industry. Oh, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. A lot of work, but I think you guys are one of the funnest groups I've worked with. 
one of the funnest. I was going to say, he had goosebumps on top of goosebumps, and now it's all gone. No. Because we're like the bronze medalists of fun groups for Kevin Patrick. You're like the four older brothers I never had. All right, well, that, we'll take, take that. that. It's, that's it's nice. a wrestling-type viewpoint. I like that because uh, he has a lot of brothers. Right. Yeah. What, and Wes, congratulations to Wes as well for being, a, you know, the scientist of the group. All right, so. And, and for waking up, we, we heard he's been on a 27-hour nap since his last appearance on the podcast, but he is awake. He, he is was, mired he, in a Cincinnatian <laughs> wilderness. He was on his circular waterbed with the leopard print. Past, after that phone call yesterday, he fell asleep immediately, woke up, did some more high-octane content. We miss you, Wes. Come home. Because so, we're going to keep slander, slandering you until you return. All right, so great show today. Great show as we begin year two of the Around the League podcast. Mm. Uh, we have uh, the NFC North and the NFC South training camp previews. We wrap up that series. Uh, by the way, you can read all of our previews on NFL.com slash Training camp preview. Well, you got it. Got it. Bang. Home run. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we'll also uh, hit the news again because we've got to hit the news because the news is changing as an animal on the podcast right now because there's so much of it and we got a lot to get to. So we got to check in with TD again. Looking fly in his jacket. You know, put me in line over my uh, Tay Diggs, Tyrese mix up. <laughs> Didn't make things weird between us. So I just want to say thank you for that. And uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Like I said, Tyrese is just happy to be recognized now or mistaken (laughs) as an actor, you know? That's been his, like, dream for the last 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Baby Boy was uh, Tyrese, correct? That was Tyrese. And that that was an excellent film. It was a good movie. Mark has a a bit of a bone to pick with you. Well, no, no. I understand, number one, that uh, you're a producer of not just this show. You do a lot of things around the office. But, you know, you sent an urgent message to the four of us saying, got to delay the show. I'm so busy. And so we're all sitting around twiddling our thumbs. And then, bang, like 12 minutes into this 20-minute delay, I'm sitting there on Twitter. And I see you shoot out this Batman-related image, a bat fleck, something about Ben Affleck playing Batman. You have time to do that. But our show must be delayed by, you know, ha- roughly half an hour. Let's, let's put it diva? this way. Let's put it this way. So that was – that was a little bit of downtime I had in between uh, getting some of the drops ready for today's it. show. And I'll be honest with you, before I hit tweet, I was like, I don't want to send this now because these guys are going to be like, oh, this is what I'm doing instead of getting ready for the show. Good instincts. But yeah. I was Great like, come on, come on. They, they, come well, we're just, come we're, on. Our eyes are always open. We're always plugged in on social media. It's part of our job. So just never forget that. I know. I, I know. But it's like, come on. It's Batflick, man. <laughs> you know? I'm looking forward to Batflick. Serious backpedaling there. Let's, yeah. Uh, let's do some news. Why not us? Why not us? Why not us? Like back in the saddle, TD after uh, his blunder on Wednesday show. <laughs> this NFL Network's theme this uh, this training camp. Yeah, why, why not, not us? us? Which is, I think, is Russell Wilson saying. So I hope Russell Wilson is getting some royalties off that. Company mm-hmm. men, why not right? us? Yeah, let's off. get Russell Wilson on the show, TD. Can we let's book do it. that? Yeah, okay, let's do it. Cool. All right, let's start with some news, and we'll start with the Baltimore Ravens. We finally have word on Ray Rice's situation. The Running back who was involved in that ugly domestic uh, abuse incident earlier in the offseason has been suspended for the first two games of the regular season under the NFL's personal conduct policy. This according to NFL media insider Ian Rappaport. Uh, Rice will also be fined a third game check. He will not be appealing the suspension, so you could count him out for those two games. And now Rice and the Ravens try to put this ugly uh, situation behind them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think when the news hit and it, there were rumors earlier on that it was coming today that I guess you could paint that the reaction was uh, entirely negative on Twitter or very, very negative. Yeah, not just on Twitter. A lot of he's, he's lucky to get two games. It could have been worse and nobody really would have thought anything of it. So I think the, the two games, uh, the Ravens kind of come off lucky, it seems, as, do, as does Ray Rice. Uh, but he is going to be missing time. Well, it's something that the Ravens want to put behind them and the NFL wants to put behind them. The NFL doesn't want to be in the headlines as training camp is starting for news like this. Not only the news that one of their stars is getting suspended for domestic assault, but that getting a lot of criticism for it. I mean, it's the last thing you want to start training camp. 
And I think when you read Goodell's statement and he says, I believe you are sincere in your desire to learn from this matter, and I think the, the personal sit-down with him and his wife must have had uh, overwhelming, uh, balanced out what we thought was going to come because this seemed like a little bit light. Uh, so, I mean, I was surprised with it. I think that was the main reaction was more surprised that it was only two games as opposed to what it could have been for uh, what it was that he committed. The Falcons moved Thursday to ensure that Roddy White will finish his career as a member of the Atlanta Falcons. The team announced a three-year extension that will keep the wide receiver under con- contract for the next four seasons. The deal is worth $30 million with escalators, and White now earns just under $11 million this season, a source involved with the process told Ian Rappaport. White, of course, 32 years old, uh, was set to enter the final year of a six-year deal. Big-time player coming off a disappointing year. Did this signing make sense? You got to read the fine print. They, he's not going to get all this money. He's not going to make that never eleven do. million average. It's a short-term bump for a guy that's totally earned it in Atlanta. And I wouldn't be surprised when we do get to look at the fine print whether that it's basically a two-year deal. He gets eighteen million over the next two years. That's nine million per year. And then after that, it's year to year. And he's probably facing an uphill battle to be on this team in two or three years because that's just how it goes. I think some of these deals, it's it's a hey, hang with us to the end of your career potentially if you want. But you look at what happened with the Jamal Charles Childers. Very little guaranteed cash in that beyond this season. There's none after this season. And same with this. One, these contracts make a big splash when they're initially tweeted out, and then you dig down and it's, oh, wait, they really aren't on the hook to do much for this guy. The Atlanta Falcons are way under the radar this year as an NFC contender, but a healthy Julio Jones and Roddy White, who should have at least a year or two of being a uh, top-level wide receiver, this team, I think, is going to surprise people in how they do. I think they're going to be in contention. Yeah, I think that the, the money that he will get will put him right under the top tier, which is where he belongs because of his production. Uh, when he was healthy at the end of the last year, he was averaging over 100 yards a game. So, And that was without Julio Jones. So you get Julio back in there, and the tandem together can produce with Matt Ryan at quarterback, and that's what they're paying for the next two years to eke out the little bit of football left he's got in him. And real quick, I mean, you have no Tony Gonzalez. We've known for months that what they're going to do, they don't even have a pass-catching tight end of any semblance. So it's going to be three, four wide receiver sets heavy. Roddy White is still a huge part of this offense. I love Roddy White as a player. He's one of my favorites of the last decade. When he came into the league the first couple years, people thought of him as a drop-prone guy who couldn't pick up the offense. Now I think of him as sort of that ultimate veteran receiver. He's got great hands, and he makes catches in the craziest of situations. He's so good at making those catches on the sidelines, and he's kind of turned from that long-distance burner to more of the veteran and letting Julio Jones take those deep plays. More trouble for Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver Justin Blackman, who was arrested on Wednesday night and charged with marijuana possession uh, during a traffic stop in Oklahoma. Of course, Blackman had been uh, suspended indefinitely uh, tied uh, to a substance abuse violation last year, and he's now been arrested twice for a DUI, and he's in a bad spot now because any thought of him getting that, getting back in 2014 seems to be lost or close to it, right? I think he didn't have any chance to begin with. I mean, he was gone for this year. This adds questions whether he's coming back next year. I mean, he's suspended indefinitely. The Jaguars were basically thinking, hey, we'll see you next year, and we'll see how that goes. It's interesting that Shad Khan, the team's owner, did make a statement that they're not going to cut Blackman, that they want to support him, but they can't talk to him. That's how the suspension goes. So it's a kid who clearly has a substance abuse problem. He was pulled over. He admitted that he was smoking a blunt while he was driving. Uh, He drove into oncoming traffic. It's all bad. Well, it's, it reminds me of before the lockout when we were at the Combine and Steve Weiss, someone said to him, what, like, what's the biggest issue for teams with the potential lockout? And it wasn't lack of practice or coaches or preparation. It was the fact that all your entire roster, and it's not 53 guys, it's 100 almost at that point, are just set free with no ability to contact or be counseled. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes with teams where they're dealing with players, whether they're troubled or they have issues of any sort, where they're getting heavy counseling and support and encouragement. That's the issue. When you ban a Blackman or a Josh Gordon, you send them off into the wilderness, no one's around them, and you're a young guy with issues set to your own devices. That's where the trouble occurs. Right, and it's, and it's a sad story because the last thing we heard was in the summer 
the Florida Times Union reported that he was seeking help. He was trying to get that help, and his teammates were even trying to reach out to him. He wasn't reaching back out to them, so he's clearly isolated himself. And whatever treatment or counseling he was seeking hasn't been working. So it's really a sad story that doesn't seem to have a good ending. And he had drug, failed drug tests in college. This was something they knew about, and it is really rare for a player to get suspended for more than one season. I'm trying to think back to when that's last happened. Sometimes it's indefinite, but you always apply to get back in, and it only takes one season. This is a case where you can imagine Justin Blackman being suspended out of the league for more than one season, whether it's a season and a half, two seasons, something like that. Who knows? So I guess Kyle Orton is not retiring. The Mm. Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones, told reporters on Wednesday that the veteran backup quarterback has no intentions to call it quits and hopes to keep playing in 2014, just not in Dallas a uh, little timeline of events. Orton was there last year as their backup. The Cowboys decided to cut him because Orton was repeatedly saying he wanted to re- retire. He got to keep his $3 million signing bonus. And now Jerry Jones uh, seemed to suggest that Orton planned to report for camp in order to force the team's hand. Here's the quote from Jarrah. Once he gave an indication that he was not going to retire and come back with all the other aspects of not having participated in the spring work that we did, then it was decision time on our part. Uh, Greg, somebody make sense of this for me. I can't. I thought we're missing part of the picture Mm -hmm. because we thought that Kyle Orton didn't want to be on the Cowboys and the Cowboys wanted Orton to be their backup. The only thing I can think is Jerry Jones is spinning this to make it look like they didn't get dumped by Kyle Orton. I honestly have no idea what's going on. I think if, if, if Skip Bayless were still in Dallas and he wanted to write a behind-the-scenes biography of what's going on with the Cowboys right now, there's a whole chunk to this story that we don't know about. I think that he, he rubbed... Bestseller, the Kyle well, Orton story. Well, just as one, one of the little threads, because I think he rubbed... A, he rubbed it. Jerry Jones. They actually tried to do him a favor to some degree. They ate a lot of money here. They did nothing for the Cowboys. But maybe it became to the point of... Whatever issues he presents, his attitude, and he's, he's clearly irritated, play, I think, certain players on the team, too, get rid of him, and they just swallowed it. The Cowboys have also, as we know, been the picture of mediocrity. Uh, three straight seasons of eight and eight finishes. Jason Garrett has been lording over the team for all of those finishes. You would think that this is perhaps the year where Jarrah needs to see some results from his coach and his team to move forward with the current coaching regime, but... It might not be the case. Here's the quote from Jerry. In terms of the record of this team, this is not a make-or-break situation for Jason. I wish you weren't a liar. Mm. (laughs) Well, listen. Agreed. I would say that I would agree that he was lying, but I don't don't know with Jerry Jones anymore. I don't know what's going on in his head. He obviously has a soft spot for Jason Garrett. He's had one for 15 years, and maybe this really is how he feels. To me, this is another case of him not with the – we saw with Sean Payton went somewhere else and had great success, and Jerry, uh, Jones doesn't want to see that happen again. He doesn't want to <laughs> see the, the brainchild of, of what he would consider his own brainchild to become great somewhere else if he can't deal with the fact that this team isn't very good at all. I found a, that, a quote that supports that as much as possible, and this quote, which I missed back in December when he said it, blew my mind. Here it is. We've put a lot of effort in training as a franchise into Jason Garrett. I want to take advantage of that. All right, that makes sense. If we don't have him, we don't get payback for all the miscues and losses and criticism of sideline management. We don't get a chance to benefit from the one way you learn, and that is the mistakes that you make. It was Albert Breer. Last season, Albert Breer came heavy with that point, that that was the saving grace for what is a mediocre ship entirely, that Garrett, they had put so much time, dating back to when he was Troy Aikman's backup, he has been part of this family forever. They aren't ready to jump ship, but it's another case where Seattle does things differently, Dallas does things differently, but in a way that keeps them held back. And is this a, a, a Jerry almost admitting, without admitting it, that his team isn't good enough for those expectations to be that mm. high? Is that the, the team he's put together? I mean, he's clearly not going to say that out loud, but maybe in the back of his mind he knows that, and mm. this is his justification for that- saying that he you can't blame it on Jason Garrett for if we're terrible again. That's a great point, and I caught a little bit of that with Jerry Jones, who's usually so positive. And when they talked about expectations, he's talking about competing. You know, I think this is a roster that can compete. Like, the the bombast is gone. I think he probably looks at this team and realizes he's got some problems. I think in past seasons, they've kind of stumbled their way and underperformed to 8-8. Eight and eight. 
this season, I, I still, I, I'm going to put the, my guarantee will be they go eight and eight this year. I think it happens again, but they're going to overperform <laughs> to get there. Right. They're, they're going to end in the same spot, and that's how Rex Ryan kept his job this past season. He went eight and eight with a team that wasn't good. Maybe Jerry is seeing clearly, and he's not going to blame Garrett if they get that high. Somehow, all those. Conspiring. Coaching mistakes Garrett's made over the years, the clock management, and it, that's all been like deposits, money in the bank that, that Jerry Jones figures he's going to cash in someday. So if Garrett wants to keep his job, maybe just keep messing up. <laughs> Greg, with another long instruction on career success. I wanted to go back to Kyle Orton because we Do talked it, about buddy. it on Wednesday's podcast that the mm. Bears are, have a terrible backup quarterback situation. Mm. So Kyle Orton goes back to Chicago, works with Mark Tressman, and when Jay Cutler ultimately gets hurt, yes. he has his redeeming moment in Chicago. Because if Mark Tressman... Wait, this might be Hold on. Kevin Patra's first that would be, that would be first. If I know anything about Mark Tressman, what he is seeking are underwhelming undriven quarterbacks that don't really <laughs> want to play football. <laughs> Kyle Orton, want, he's collected his paycheck. I don't know who picks this guy up. You know, Patrick's got a little bit of a neck beard. There's some resemblance between <laughs> you and Kyle Orton, maybe. A little bit. Interesting. Little bit. You're probably in better Midwest shape. Look. All right, we'll, we'll finish with uh, Mark's favorite football team, you might be aware, the Cleveland Browns. You are a factory of sadness! It is looking increasingly uh, possible that Brian Hoyer will be the starter in week one for the Browns. Browns coach Mike Pettin told ESPNCleveland.com that Hoyer will get uh, the primar- will primarily be the recipient of first-team looks at, uh, in training camp. Uh, so Manziel is going to be a guy that, according to Pettin, is more Manziel versus the playbook right now than against Brian Hoyer. So right now, Brian Hoyer, Mark Sessler, Looks like he's going to be your guy. Well, there was an potentially. Un- there was another interesting comment, and we heard this also from the Jets today, uh, or someone around the Jets, that Pettin mentioned that whether or not Manziel starts, and, and maybe they feel safer with Hoyer as the guy that's down there for three downs, that they'll roll Manziel out and get him on the field for plays for mm. certain packages. So maybe that is how you ease him in. He came from a college system that didn't rely on a playbook, mm-hmm. as a lot of young quarterbacks do. That, that, it, it really depends what he does over the next month. You know, the writer of the article, Tony Grossi, said to Pettin, it appears that a shorter timetable favors Brian Hoyer. That's a topic that we discussed on the last podcast. And Pettin's response was, yeah, given those circumstances, I'd agree with that statement. Actually, no, Greg. He said, uh, yeah. I took out the uh. You, know, <laughs> given you, those, could, you could use some editorial judgment been, with the quotes. No, you don't it, have to put in the uhs. No, every, because every writer out there. This is how I hear it, by the way. Uh, yeah. Well, that is not. <laughs> given those circumstances, I'd agree with that statement. If you want That's it, how I read it. Then you need more H's. In the, uh, <laughs> I, I don't buy that, uh, though, AP style Greg, guide. because, you know, Robert Griffin three. Andrew Luck, all these guys, they don't need – you know, they had enough time to secure the number one spot. That's fair. I think there's, there's enough time. I do think his quote about that it's him versus the playbook, and I think he needs to be more dedicated than ever, was another quote from Pettin about Manziel are telling. To I me, think he's sending a message. Yeah, to me it's just yep. be ready and you'll, you'll get the ball. If you're ready, you're going to get the ball. You're clearly more talented than Brian Hoyer. He's just saying be ready. But is he right now? No. Yeah. Are we burying the lead in all this that just a minute ago on this podcast, Kevin Patra made a Master P make him say, uh, we are. reference. <laughs> I did. Did everyone see that? We certainly no bury the lead is how I view it. TD is beside himself with joy. I am. Not because Patra dropped that reference, but because Greg picked it up. Oh, thank you. I thought uh, nobody heard it. Wait, that. by the way, oh, yeah, I picked it tank, up too. You got the No Limit Soldiers going in the gym. Dan's like, I uh, got the pop culture <laughs> reference. If there's pop one thing. Old man Sessler doesn't know what we're talking about. Right <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't need to, you know. Master just... Petten, you mean? I could not be more impressed with Greg's knowledge of the hip-hop world. <laughs> yeah. He's, From a certain year to a certain year. Yeah. Fair enough. Surprise. I'm beaming right now. By the way, on our last show, I threw it out there to the audience, to the listeners. The first listener who correctly identified the name of the perfume that Grace Jones was hawking in Boomerang, the 1992 Eddie Murphy vehicle, would be the recipient of Brenda Warner's uh, biography called One Call Away, Answering Life's Challenges with Unshakable Faith. And the Answer to that question was strong shade. It stinks so good. 
Stranger. It stinks so good. And, of course, I don't even know. I'll throw it out to you guys because I got a feeling you're going to guess. Who was the ATL listener that got this correct? Well, you threw this out in the newsroom earlier, uh, and we guessed Tristan. Welcome to show business, right Greg. We guessed Tristan, and we got it right back then. So <laughs> I got it right again. Yes, Tristan, the great loyal listener from Australia, got it correct. I'm pretty sure the I'm NFL. All about honesty, transparency. Yeah, you, you're a great guy. NFL media newsroom. I mean, the NFL media mailroom. I don't know if they're going to send this book to Australia. We'll have to talk. To and people. because, like Greg. My boss, that I also am all about honesty. I am going to let the listeners know that Dan is entirely scared by the Australian mail raids. It <laughs> has nothing to do with our mailroom. Tristan, just be aware that if the mailroom shoots me down, I will not be sending this on my own dime. <laughs> Tristan obviously got a job, new job lately, and now he wins the book. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. There you go. And a quick callback. That's the reason I had time to tweet about Batfleck, because I was downloading that drive. Nice. Well, all right. So, it seems like it you took you a while to cook up a reason there, <laughs> like a good 15 minutes. By the way, if you're at the Barnes & Noble in Santa Monica tonight by any chance, Mark Sessler is doing a reading of Brenda Warner's biography, <laughs> excuse me, memoir, from 6 to 9 p.m. That's a long reading. <laughs> Listen, long let's get in depth with it. Uh, all right, let's move on to the uh, finale of our NFC training camp preview, and we will begin... With the NFC North, um, Greg, you are the boss. You Contractually, in the back end of uh, the language of your contract, it says you need to be announced last in the intro. So I'll throw it to you. Since I wrote the piece on NFL.com slash training camp preview, why don't you team me up and I'll you know, oh, throw a couple I, things I at you. Te- I thought you were going to ask me a question. This All was right. a tough Here read, by the way. Green Bay Packers. <laughs> What are you looking for in Green Bay on the offensive side? Wow, a lot of arm motioning by you there. It's intimidating to me. All right, I'll tell you what I'm looking for. Now I'll start with I want to see uh, or I want to hear and read about Julius Peppers, how he's looking in camp, uh, a 34-year-old player that had some big seasons, as Kevin Patrick knows, mm-hmm. in Carolina and then Chicago. Now they're pairing him up with Clay Matthews, hoping the you know, visions of 25, 30 sacks together and what that could mean for their pass rush. I want to see how that looks. You also want to watch for Clay Matthews, how that thumb's looking. Is he able to practice at full? Are they still worried about it? They believe that they finally rectified that issue after he broke it twice last season. But, I mean, Matt, Matthews, we forget about it now because he had such a, a kind of tough go of it last year. A lot of people picked him Defensive Player of the Year candidate. He could still be that guy. Mm. That is an intriguing pairing to me. And Dom Capers is kind of twisting around with they're doing less and more at the same time, getting rid of some formations but doing a, a little bit more differently with those formations. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how Peppers is used, how much he actually drops back, which given his age, you wouldn't think too much, but how much in that quote-unquote elephant role they have him in. That, that's going to be interesting to watch. I think they're excited about Dayton Jones on the line. They've got a lot of guys coming back, and it's nice to have, in theory, Peppers across from Clay Matthews to free up some of that double teaming. They want to get 30 sacks together. I want to see if they even can combine to play 30 games. Ooh. I'm not sure on well, Peppers. Sure. games. Well, you no, they each two. play 16. That's yeah. 32. Well, I'd like to see that happen. <laughs> that didn't really go out on a huge limb there. Well, because, frankly, Clay Matthews <laughs> hasn't done that, and that's been a huge issue for the Packers. You said people predicted he would win Defensive Player of the Year. I think I was one of those people. You're right. He, he has not been talked about much, and their defense is completely different with them. And their offense is different with Jermichael Finley. Do we think he's going to be back on this team by the start of the year? I, it's a, with each day that passes, it seems like that's not going to be the case, or it, it's increasingly uh, possible that he's not going to get clearance. There's an interesting battle there because if he's not there, it's pretty wide open right now. Who gets that job, uh, the starting job anyway? Uh, the guy I guess to look for is a rookie, Richard Rogers. I believe he was a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, looked really good in their off-season program. Uh, the other guy, I guess his primary competitor is Andrew Corliss. I did get some tweets from Packers fans um, that the undrafted free agent uh, Colt Lyerla is a guy to keep an eye on too. He, and, he, and Dan, if you uh, if you actually monitored our uh, website around the league, we have written <laughs> two or three huge posts about Colt where they talk about him as a Gronkowski type talent. Well, I don't always buy into hype blindly like some Fire. people. This is right. coming from <laughs> NFC scouts, from other scouts. Everyone just looks. You got to follow your own hunch off the field concern. <laughs> But they don't need Finley. He's not the only answer there. He would have been a high, high draft pick if he hadn't gotten booted. So if he can, 
his um, you know addictions are in the past, and mm. he could be if the team if the team Mike McCarthy's talking about trusting him. Can we trust him if they, he can prove that? Mark, trust, do you have something to say dynamic, to me? Because yeah. say it right now. I would like you to read our work on the website. This is some, I will, no, not your work. <laughs> I just hope Dan could do the rest of the show after this Bunsen burner blowtorching. I know. Like, well, Agro Sessler out of control today. Not at all. No, I think they have an interesting okay. group no. of tight ends. That's good, buddy. Let's move on. Dan, you wrote about the Bears and what you're looking for. Could it possibly be true that one of those things is a man named Ego Ferguson? What are you looking for out of Ego Ferguson in August? All right, first off. Da Bears nailed it. Second of all, Ego Ferguson, second-round pick. Keep in mind what was going on with Chicago's rush defense last year. League worst 161.4 yards per game on the ground. Ego, uh, Ferguson's brought in, and Ego is an awesome name, by the way. He's brought in an cool. Ego? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, he has, naturally has to bring in mm. an Ego. Uh, they bring him in. He's not going to be somebody that gets to the quarterback. He's not that type of guy, but he is somebody that is known for an ability to stop the run. They desperately need a lane clogger type guy, and they're counting on ego to have an immediate role and bring that ego. So how are you going? You're going to be tracking him during the preseason, watching some ego. That's my plan, personally. I was going to I was going to take a bunch of personal days during training camp <laughs> to stay at home and watch a lot of practice reels. Well, concentrate you know on what? ego. You do have you know an addition to the Hansis family, and you like that name ego. It's way. not too late. Yeah, that's true. Think about that. <laughs> ego Hansis. Wow. Could your ego handle that? I don't know. I like it. I like the idea of all of it. <laughs> I love it. What about a little uh, backup quarterback battle we talked about? We talked about year. it, and uh, Kevin Patra looked into his crystal ball and got his first Sessler of his life. And, uh, of course, Kyle Orton potentially entering the mix. That makes a lot of sense because Jimmy Clausen versus Jar- Jordan Palmer is basically the most unimpressive uh, camp battle that's going right now, in my opinion. And it's funny how quickly the Bears forget what uh, happened in their past. You'll go way back in the time machine, another Jay Cutler injury, where they went and they got Jason Campbell thinking they gave him $3 million guaranteed to solve that problem. It didn't work out, but they were thinking that way. We can't leave ourselves vulnerable. Then they went out and got Josh McCown, and that worked out beautifully, of course. Uh, but this year, they seem to think again, oh, Jay Cutler, he'll play 16 games. We don't have to worry too much about this. They're definitely they a candidate should. to pick someone up later in the summer. But, you know, it was a summer ago when all of us looked at Josh McCown and thought, are you kidding me? This guy's mm-hmm. a nightmare. And if, 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 if McCutler mm-hmm. goes down, they're a ship adrift. And he came in and blew the doors off. I think part of it is that Tressman is an amazing coach. They've got to see something in the guys they have. But Orton or someone else out there is a good target for the Bears. If it, if he makes Jordan Palmer into a decent starting quarterback, should he need to play? Mark Tressman has a head coaching job for life in the NFL. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, how valuable would that be? This, that would be his greatest ask. conquest. It's a big ask. One thing that in Chicago I want to look at is the, the secondary, the deep secondary, the safeties. Look, Listen to their group, M.D. Jennings. Danny McRae, Adrian Wilson, Ryan Monday. I mean, Wilson was brought in. He's a flyer. And then rookie Brock Vereen. That is not a group you want when you have, you're have you going up against Aaron Rodgers, Calvin Johnson, and uh, and then Cordero Patterson and Greg Jennings, who we've talked about. Not That's not uh, going to be good if, well, those are, if they can't solidify that group. Well, let's talk about your Lions, shall let's we? Talk about them. I mean, <laughs> Greg, got, you're doing a great job. We got way, Joe right Lombardi, offensive coordinator. In. We don't really know much about him. How's this all going to work? Hubba, hubba. Matthew Stafford, underwhelmed last season. We know it. He put up some numbers that you can get behind, I guess. But as a player, a lot of met reaction from people around the league. I'm also seeing a lot of quarterback rankings where he's listed like right at 16. He's, it's kind of like he's become a guy that people can't figure out anymore. So this seems like the perfect time for a new offensive coordinator with a new viewpoint on how he can be used. We're hearing... Uh, that Joe Lombardi, the new offensive coordinator, is going to give him more autonomy at the line of scrimmage to call out plays. Uh, you know, And I wrote in my p- piece that maybe this is the kick in the pants he needs to take his game up a notch and develop more consistency. That's absolutely – this has been the offseason. We've said it constantly, offseason of Matthew Stafford. One, one piece of the Lions offense that I'm really kind of intrigued to see in pads is Theo Riddick mm. because – NFL media's Daniel Daniel Han, uh, Daniel <laughs> Jeremiah. I just got you on the brain. I like that. Daniel Jeremiah kicked it off. You look great and now today, by everyone <laughs> constantly. This is awkward. Everyone keeps <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, thanks. <laughs> 
Good luck getting a point out. I know. And now everyone keeps talking about theoretic. The Lions offensive players have him going to the Pro Bowl. He had like 17 touches last year. So I really want to see, is he really going to be used, utilized a lot? They already have Reggie Bush. They already already have Joyke Bell. So I really like would like to see if this non-pads hype can come to fruition. And the, and the roadmap is what where he came from in New Orleans, right. where they were able to use, it's going to drive fantasy players utterly nuts, but they're going to use all their running backs in different ways. And, you know, Stafford, under Jim Schwartz, when they'd ask him, what can this guy do to improve? Oh, no, Stafford's fine. His mechanics mm-hmm. are fine. I think for a, a Lions fan like yourself, it's right. frustrating that because Caldwell came in and he said, you know, we're going to hold this guy to the fire. They actually have some people that are looking at Stafford's play. That's hopeful, but... Mm. There's a reason that Stafford's sitting down there at 16. There's a couple games last year that were a disaster. Has it been an underplayed story that Vince Lombardi's freaking grandson is running an NFL offense? I mean, we all know that's fact, but mm. doesn't that seem amazing? What he if was Lomb- good at coaching, I agree. from what we understand. What if Lombardi? <laughs> what if Vince Lombardi never really died, and he's helping to coach this team? A pass-heavy offense. I'm I just saying, I don't roll know. over in his grave again. Maybe they'll break out, you know, the sweep, and they'll change the whole. <laughs> here's thing. the Oritic on the on the Packers sweep. Here's the here's the problem. A great champion, Vince Lombardi was defeated by Father Time. Okay, okay, okay. easy, there, buddy. Vince Dan Lombardi's brings it back undefeated. around. Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Castle, <laughs> Vikings you. quarterbacks. What do we think? Do we actually think my boy Matt Castle is going to be the Week One starter here? It looks like it. It seems like he's going to have the the first shot at the job. I think the reason why Minnesota brought in Matt Castle or re-signed him was because they knew they were going to take a quarterback and they didn't want to be boxed in where they felt like they needed to start that rookie. Because let's face it, it typically does not end well unless you have a real stud behind center that, that's a can't-miss guy. So Castle makes a lot of sense as a guy that can come in and kind of hold the fort teach Bridgewater some of what he knows. He's been around a long time. He played with Tom Brady. He's won some games in this league, been to the playoffs. And then eventually you're going to move Bridgewater in. It seems like something teams in the NFL have gotten away from in recent years. But when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Well, you look back through time before the last decade and quarterbacks were given plenty of time to grow and learn the NFL system. And the biggest positive, I think, for Bridgewater and Castle, frankly, too, is Norv Turner. It, you know, look what they did last year in Cleveland in terms of Jordan Cameron, Josh Gordon, and a couple other guys with a terrible group of quarterbacks. Minnesota has a much better group than Cleveland had. I think, I think Teddy Bridgewater started from day one. I mean, you had Norv Turner say the other day he thought he should have been a top 10 quarterback taken in the draft. Uh, he has the arm strength, according to Turner, to, to run his system. They, they can go on a, a run-heavy offense. I think that Teddy is your most talented quarterback. Put him in there and let him play. It's not an, a terrible offensive line that he has to play behind. And by the way, Christian Ponder is still on this team. Barely. Kind of in a weird, uh, weird place. You don't usually see this situation arise, but he was the former guy that was the future as, as recently as 12 months ago. Now he's, he's lingering. He's on the roster. He's the third-string guy. You wonder if... He'll be on the team at some point. Maybe he makes sense on the Chicago Bears. The Bears or the Bills. or he is, he's a, He'd be a good backup, but I'd be right. surprised if he's on the Vikings come week one myself. Bridgewater is the one guy every year I let myself get sucked into one offseason hype guy. I feel like that's, that's Bridgewater's my guy this year for that. Hmm. That I actually am buying. And now I'm going to pass it back to Dan. Like it. I, I'm, I was uncomfortable with all this, these questions being asked. And I think that, uh, Greg, you deserve a round of applause for the way you set me up there. TD playing with his iPhone, and now he's on. He's back in. The NFC South training camp preview. Greg Rosenthal wrote it on our website. So why don't we start with the Atlanta Falcons? Of course, four and twelve last year. Uh, very difficult season for Mike Smith and company. Now they have a whole training camp to get things going on the right track. And what are you seeing, Greg? Yeah, the thing I'm watching is Julio Jones's foot. He's had two similar surgeries, serious, on the same foot. He hasn't been practicing fully all offseason. He says the old Julio's back. They're going to be as careful with him as possible. For the most part, I think their offense and their defense don't, don't have big, big questions in terms of great battles. But that's the thing. You just want to see if he's healthy. I get a little nervous about this foot injury because he's, 
He's been dealing with with it for a while, and he we there was a report this month that he had a cutting edge uh, surgery. The technology, because where the break is, there's less blood flow, so it's it's naturally uh, vulnerable to re injury. So yeah, I don't think anybody can be sure that he's back to the old Julio's till we see him for 16 weeks, prove that he can stay healthy. At this it doesn't point. sound fun. I mean, Damashek talks about Jenga pieces, and I'm not sure this would be the case for Julio Jones on some of the other teams around the league. But is he that? for Atlanta because when he wasn't in the lineup last year, Matt Ryan still well they're still throwing for yardage, but they're not winning. They're yeah. not doing anything. I think Ryan would be a, a more of a Jenga piece because they don't have anything behind him. I don't know. The line PGA was is. terrible last year and they need the offense to win them games. This is not going to be a team that wins games seventeen fourteen or twenty one seventeen. They need to throw for a lot of yards. They need their fourth-round pick at running back, Devontae Freeman, to be a factor. That'll be a good battle with Steven Jackson, Jaquiz Rogers. If this team has any chance to bounce back like we talked about, I think it's by being a top five, six offense, and they have a chance. Well, what was their whole offseason about? Getting tougher in the trenches. Right. Did they? We don't know yet because nobody's been in pads yet. That's going to be a huge thing to watch. I have a bit of a Sessler that Devonta Freeman it will be the only member of that backfield back next year. Steven Jack- Jackson, Jacquees Rogers. I don't think that's a great setup right there. And they're going to have to do some work as time progresses. That's a tough like that. fall for Rogers after appearing with Rich Eisen in a some ad for a hotel chain. <laughs> Listen, he, he, he hit his apex. Let's hope you're right about this, Mark. I believe he was. All right, good. We're down to <laughs> believe. Right? We'll We're allow the to listeners believe. to fact check. No, TD is giving me the nod, sure, and that tells right. me that it's rock solid. Home run. Let's move on to the Carolina Panthers. And everybody wants to talk about the wide receiver situation. So, Greg, we can't ignore it. We're going to have to learn who's going to be fitting into these spots. Correct? And for, yes. And for what? Me, I don't know. Everyone's just giggling. What's so funny? Sessler's got know. the giggles. What's up? Buddy? I thought that was an excellent way to get into this topic. Fine job. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's good because I feel like you've been a little hard on me during the show. I think that's overblown. And now you're throwing me a bone. So I good. was throwing you into the fire for a Packers tight end report. <laughs> we're back. We're friends. Let's I, go. I feel like Kevin and TD and I are here just, yeah, we're just <laughs> watching. Mark, you're my friend no matter what happens. Some sort See? of <laughs> session, like couples therapy. Look. I love you, Mark. Okay. Back to the so, wideout uh, situation. About Taekwon Underwood, that guy's not very good, right? You know what I'm saying, guys? <laughs> um, yeah, Ow! the receivers are, are terrible. It's not even really a battle. It's kind of a battle against being a punchline because Jericho Cotri has to be getting snaps. I don't know if he's the number one receiver, but he has to. Kelvin Benjamin has to be playing for them, even though he's a rookie. He's a first-round pick. They they have to put him on the field. They have no other options. I guess Camp will be to figure out whether it's Underwood or Jason Avon or Kiawa Polaris or whoever. This is a team to definitely watch make a trade or pick up some guys off of waivers in free agency. Like Benjamin's really interesting from what we're reading, but at the same time, I like in all these off-season practices where they're they're just running by guys and then being untouched. No position group seems more overrated or prone to hype than the wide receivers. Good news we have about Cam Newton. We just got it on Wednesday or Thursday, actually, that he's a full go for training camp. Uh, Greg, you wrote about it um, earlier this week that we almost assume that he'll be fine because he's built like Superman and it seems like he'll never miss a game. Uh, but I guess it's something to keep an eye on how he's moving. That was a major ankle surgery. It's huge. Had. We just assume these guys are going to come back. It was Superman. a four-month you know, recovery from ankle surgery for a guy that relies on his movement skills more than any quarterback in the league. Who is more valuable running than Cam Newton? You know, Luck is in the discussion, Kaepernick's in the discussion, and they might need Newton to run more than ever. So that's a big factor if he, he's limited in any way. Is there any part of that offense that there isn't a question mark on? Right. I mean, Two new offensive t- linemen. Right. Left tackle's new. Uh, the, uh, Stewart is now injured, we learned Thursday little hamstring, which is always the case with him being hurt. So, I mean, there's every level of that offense, there's big, big questions. The New Orleans Saints, of course, did some nice upgrade work on their secondary. Uh, signed up Jairus Bird. Jairus Bird. <laughs> and Champ Bailey, Byer. old man Bailey from Denver. Uh, so now you have those two guys in the mix. This could have the potential to make all the difference in Rob Ryan's defense. Your thoughts, Greg? He's- Bailey's 36 years old and Bird at back surgery. So that's – it's a big August. you got to stay healthy. Debbie Downer. When is Bailey – Bel- Bailey's been struggling with injuries. Yeah, the Broncos didn't want him. And Bird is another guy that, man, this surgery 
flew under the radar. If he had had back surgery in February, he wouldn't have gotten half the money he got from the Saints. So, look, maybe he's going to come back and he'll be fine. But if I'm a Saints fan, that's the number one thing I'm watching, whether he's going to be ready for the season. This is a Super Bowl team. And mm-hmm. I think wow. that Bird's going to be Tasty. okay in time. This, this, the, what they've done so in two your seasons. NFC team. When we come out with our official predictions, the Saints, you've already decided. This is my team, and oh, I'll wow. tell you why. Because in two seasons, last year, he had the cojones, Sean Payton, to go out getting Rob Ryan. What are who, cojones? It is a f- part of the male body that oh, would suggest okay. Okay. Uh, in this, it would suggest courage in this instance. <laughs> um, he. Uh, I love what they did on defense over the last two seasons, and he's quietly revamped this offense to make it tougher, but they're also faster. I, I, there's not a part of this team that hasn't gotten better over the last two years. And what about the backfield, uh, Greg? What do you think about that running back group? Yeah, the big battles, Kyrie Robinson and Mike, Mark Ingram. I mean, we know Pierre Thomas is kind of do what he does, but it's a battle between a guy that looks like a first-round pick in Kyrie Robinson, who we had as a making-the-leap candidate, and a guy who was one in Ingram, and – that's what can be decided in camp, stuff like that. Like Brandon Cooks, that wide receiver, we've given him so much hype. He needs to have a big August because if he doesn't pick up this offense quickly in the preseason, Sean Payton is a guy who has shown he will leave people behind. He won't play you that much. I've not- I noticed in your copy for this uh, topic that you only call them New Orleans, not the Saints. Is it like a similar thing with the Washington Redskins where you're not comfortable with Saints and using that terminology? <laughs> I do. That's, oh, I'm just the header. Well, not, a reli- the not a religious man. I'm definitely not a religious guy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a fact. The funny I, thing is he used like saints like 25 times yeah. in the other parts of I it. I just wanted to put the spotlight on the greatest city <laughs> in North America, New Orleans. I think you are covering for a desk that comprehensively <laughs> missed its well, subtitle. You see it in Greg's <laughs> eyes. He's going to go over to the newsroom and fire the hell out of somebody uh, Wait, for who, missing that edit. Who posted this? Oh, I did. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Anyway, moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, Greg Rosenthal. (laughs) Tell us about offensive coordinator Jeff Tedford as one of the biggest X-factors in the NFL this year, you call him. Whoa! (laughs) You are excited. (laughs) Do we know if this guy is going to be the next Chip Kelly? Or is he going to be the guy who couldn't win a game at Cal? Mark loves (laughs) assistant coaches. Mark, you decide. I think the next Chip Kelly is Chip Kelly's former quarterback coach. Mm. You're going down the Ted Tedford. I'll take the Bill Lazor. Well, isn't there – it's <laughs> weird that there isn't some reaction to, oh, wow, hey, Jeff Tedford's going to solve our offense. Cal didn't win a game last year. I know there are a lot of other reasons. It doesn't matter. But that, that seems like a factor that you couldn't win one game. And Lovey Smith has shown us one thing over the years. He's yeah. not going to help the offense. He's going to just watch whatever that guy does and, and hope it works. And it never worked, and he was terrible at hiring people in Chicago. So some skepticism should be placed on him. <laughs> Are we, aren't they putting a lot on a young rookie, Mike uh, Evans and mm. Austin Zafarin Jenkins? I mean, we talked about Josh McCown with Alshon Jeffrey last year and how that duel – but that, he was a second-year player. This is Mike Evans, who's coming in as a first-year player, coming from an offense that wasn't, like we said earlier with Johnny Manziel, didn't have a playbook. Can he learn it? He was out of shape coming in, didn't really know what he was doing. There's a lot of pressure if they are going to be a team that's going to surprise him. But they were a super run-heavy team under Greg Schiano, and maybe they find that out of the gate they have to be again. Let me throw something out to you three gentlemen before we wrap this topic up. Josh McCown obviously was great in Chicago last year. Uh, we're all kind of in on him. He made our making the list leap candidate list. Uh, Chris Wessling, who's not here, is an especially big fan. Let Huge. me just throw something by you guys. Let's say Josh McCown somehow reverts back to the guy that he always was uh, beginning this preseason and has a terrible preseason and plays terribly. And Mike Lennon, who was a guy with promise, has a great training camp and plays well in, in, with the second team. Josh McCown's going to start the season, but – is there a chance that if McCown doesn't get out of the gates, Glennon could be a guy that takes over very quickly in the season? Yes. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't see why not. I mean, it's Josh McCown. And the money they're paying him, it's not crazy big money. And it, he's got an uphill battle. I, you mentioned they're counting on Evans. Hopefully he's great. They're number three wide receiver battle. Here you go. I want you to listen on up. The favorite sixth-round pick, Robert Heron. The challengers, Lewis Murphy and Chris Awusu. I think I worked with that guy at TGI that's, Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty, grim territory. That's pretty grim. That's pretty bad. Imagine if Vincent Jackson got hurt. 
Like, yeah. those guys are starting. Well, again, maybe they run the ball. I, don't, I think Dan's theory is interesting, and it wouldn't be shocking. He's a, he is a natural definition of a bridge quarterback, but a bridge to where, we don't know. Ooh, very nice. And for you fantasy fans, yeah, definitely get – if you draft Josh McNown and you're all in, make sure you get a handcuff with that guy because he – By the way, Greg just dropped a bridge to Could find himself in fantasy jail. Podcast. Oh, really? But but that was terrible. I did, and that was bad fantasy advice. I'm just gonna say it. Okay. Honestly. Well, Here's listen. Why. I respect you as a Roto World former chief. I respect the hell out of Chris Wessling, who also worked with the company. Mark <laughs> is here. He's standing to your left. I'm just saying, if you're gonna invest in Josh McCown, it would seem crazy to me to invest. Burn slowly in a house. Two runner. roster spots <laughs> yeah. on the Bucks quarterback situation. Like, let's double down just in case my big McCown pick doesn't work out. I don't know. Whatever, man. I'm just I'm trying to get out of this. All right. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Around the League podcast. Uh, Kevin Patrick, it was an honor and a privilege having Appreciate you in studio. Uh, well, handshake. I like yeah. that. Nice and firm. Back yeah, to Chicago. Fist fist, ooh, Mark, a germ freak. Fist pumps him. I went, no, I did fist pump. Oh, okay. That's good. It's great to have Kevin so, here. Back to Chicago. Kevin goes, our ATL Chicago correspondent. Always does great work. Chris Wesley will be back in his usual spot, and uh, TD will be out of the mix next week. I'll be here for the first episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Then ha- and we do have Hall a guest fame. coming in. We have a guest a coming in as well. former NFL general manager. We'll just leave it We'll at tease that. it. We'll tease it. That's I it. like that. All right, so <laughs> until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the Sizzler, the boss, Kevin Patrick coming at you, and TD. Till next week. This will be the signal for here's the celebration music. <laughs> Jazz right. White LeBron Greg James. Is like, <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late. Very important. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.